Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. Great to be with you today. You can always call and join the conversation. We're with each other each and every day from 3 to 5. Yesterday in Glendale, another set of protests outside of the Glendale Unified School District District. Uh, school board meeting. Uh, luckily, it's the last school board meeting, I think, of the year. I'm hoping it cools down a little bit. But I think next year there's going to be a lot, an awful lot of this kind of thing going on at school boards across the country as parents are becoming aware in many different ways uh, what kinds of things not only are being taught to kids, but how parents are being deliberately excluded. And that has a lot to do with sexual things and sex ed and other agenda-driven things. But it's it's all kinds of different subjects that more and more often parents are out of the loop, especially here in California, where once you are 12 years old, more and more things when it comes to your child's medical care or psychological care, your child can hide it from you. And that's one of the things that parents are upset about. The an interesting thing about these stories that I've been watching is that the best reporting that I'm seeing on what's actually happening on the ground is on social media and not from our major media, not any of it. It's on social media. Pew Research says that more Americans are getting their news on TikTok now than other social media sites, especially people who are in the age range of 18 to 29, although it's fairly large and growing in the age range of 30 to 49. And that doesn't include Twitter and some other places. Here's the, uh, here's the numbers of where people get their news. And if you're listening, you know, do you, how much of your news, and maybe you haven't thought about it because maybe you're on social media and you don't realize that you're digesting news, that you're watching stories, you're watching people's give their opinions and you're clicking on links to different news stories and stuff. How many people are actually going to a news station, cable news or their local news to get their news versus how many people are getting their news on social media? Twitter is still probably number one. Last year is the last number uh, it says, but 53% of people are regularly getting their news on TikTok or I mean on Twitter, 53%. So half of you, half of you regularly get your news from Twitter. And I wouldn't put myself in in that bucket because I do look at Twitter and there's an awful lot of if you know how to use it, it's a great resource for certain things. You know, Twitter is one of those things it will it will wreck your life if you don't know how to use it because it's so depressing and you get in a bubble of you know people's opinions and stuff. But it can also be very useful, especially for live events or or hearing directly from the source of different things. That's why people like it. Um, Facebook used to be up that high, but it's dropped dramatically uh, down, but it's still 44%. Reddit, another site that many people use, has dropped to 37%. Uh, YouTube is about the same. Instagram increasing a little bit. Other 
other socials are down. But TikTok in the last three years has gone from 22% to 33%. And the number of young people in total who get their news from uh, TikTok. TikTok is the site, by the way, that the government wants to ban. If you're not familiar with social media, TikTok became very popular during the COVID, particularly with young people. And now they're saying that moving towards a third of people who are under 29 actually get their news from TikTok. And I think some of that is bad because you don't really know where the, you know, where's the accountability for this. On the other hand is we're not seeing accountability in cable news or other news. You know, if you're watching some of the news that's going on today, and uh, we're not talking about the subject right now, but if you pay attention to the Hunter Biden um <clears throat> prosecution that had news yesterday. If you watch one set of news, it was a terribly stiff sentence and a, and a horrible price to pay for his crimes. And if you watch another set of news, it was a sweetheart deal and he's hardly paying anything. And you go, well, it's not hard to figure out which side is saying what. So people don't trust it. People are turning to other news sources. And uh, this is a young woman who's on TikTok. She was at the Glendale School Board meeting last night. Her name is Ellie, and she's with um, a a group called uh, 180 Degrees. This is her interview with a parent there in line who's protesting at the Glendale School Board last night. Why are you here today? I'm here because I want to stand up for, I don't have children, but I'm here to stand up for, you know, people who do have kids, for my little cousins, for our community members. And I'm here to show and to hopefully not only have them listen to me, but for them to hear us all out and show that indoctrination to our children is not okay and it's not acceptable in any way, shape or form. They should prioritize arithmetic, math, sciences, everything should be priority and anything else should be secondary. You know, that's pretty clear for why parents are there. If you really listen to the people who are there, they always say, we're not here to protest LGBTQ people. We're, we're here because the school is not letting parents have their say. I'm sure there's people you can find who say other things, but that is the consistency. And you don't see that in a lot of major media. The LA Times article about last night's protest was was not as off as the previous one was a couple of weeks ago, but they hardly mention why people are there. They still put it forward as a bunch of people protesting LGBTQ. So it's pro-LGBTQ and anti-LGBTQ and yada, 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 but not getting into the depth of why this is different. Because those pride events and the teaching and stuff has been actually there a long time. Why is it different? These parents are telling why. And so often you have to go to new sources to hear about it. It's like they had to do a sex ed assembly, right? I needed parental consent to do that. Why don't parents have the right to know what they're teaching their children in school? Why can't parents sign their kids out? First part. Second part. If they're doing all of this, this is not needed in school. What's needed is, yes, you have to respect everybody. We're all equal, whatever, whatever, right? That's what's needed. Indoctrination and shoving something down somebody's throat is different than respecting people. If they want to have this kind of whatever class, after school, after school with parental consent. I think a child needs to know how to do basic math. See, that is an interview that was conducted by a young woman named Ellie from a group called, it's actually called 180 Shift. And what they're, they are certainly 
a news organization, if you can call them that, with an agenda. It's an agenda to change the direction and thinking of younger people. That's what they're about. Um, Their mission is this, uh, initiating a greater conversation with younger generations, helping them understand the power of their vote and how it impacts their personal lives, family, and and community. And, you know, when you read what they're doing, they're on the ground. You get a much better sense from some of these news sources um, because they're there, a better sense than you do in the major media. That's what I think is attractive. That's why so many more and more people are getting their news. And, and I'm not saying I'm endorsing this because, once again, where's the accountability? But since we don't see accountability on in the major news media, then I guess you're going to try to get as close to the source as you can. And social media is helping with that. Ellie continued with uh, interviewing. This person that she's interviewing is a person who considers himself uh, bisexual, okay, um, and has a daughter who is in the school, and this was his opinion. Say to, like, let's say that side, um, the LGBTQ side that um, says that they just want to normalize and just have kids just learn about this. They're too young. They're too young. If they're too young to consent for sex, they're too young to be brought up into this stuff. I mean, for God's sakes, it's like like getting a little boy and you know showing him full-on porno ch- uh, film you know it ain't, it ain't right it ain't right to show kids that it ain't right to expose children to that type of stuff it is completely sickening it is pedophilia and it makes me sick to my stomach i am see that's pretty harsh what he's having to say here um but that is the reason that parents are upset that is the reason. Now, there are plenty of parents who don't want any of that stuff in the schools, and I understand that. And there are parents who say, no, we should teach this in certain ways. But there is a certain level of removing parents from the conversation and a level of what he calls uh, child pornography, and it is. I mean, the books that are being removed, you know, they say banned. They're not banned. You can go to Amazon and buy them if you want to buy them. But if you look at a couple of the books that are most controversial – The pictures that are in them are actually of children um, performing acts with each other. And I find it remarkable that 10 minutes ago, if you would have drawn that picture and published it, you would go to prison. And yet there are people who are promoting that in schools to have that available for young kids in school libraries. I don't think it should be available for anybody. And that's why the the temperature is going up so much on this. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation. This is the Pastor Scott Show. Another area that you're going to find more and more on social media. Social media has both sides of the um, transgender argument and both sides of moving people toward becoming transgender and moving them away. And a video that's going viral. This is what I want you to hear because, you know, what this person is saying, this person is somebody who transitioned. She's a woman who transitioned to be a man and then is detransitioning now. This person, just so that you're aware, I don't believe claims to be a, a Christian or religious necessarily. And in fact, she'll even claim that she's not against people who want to transition or some of that agenda. She's just telling her story. But she is getting all kinds of hate and cruel things said just by telling her story. And the studies are saying that her story and what she's about to say, which is going to shock you, is more common that many people who start the transition in, uh, in this change their mind very quickly. And some change their mind quickly. Some change their mind after a couple of years. But it isn't true, the things that they're told that move them into the gender-affirming care. And so this person's name is Ash, and I'm going to let you hear some of her story, 
And I think it's something that we should be aware of. Hello, as some of you might know, my name is Ash and I am a detransitioner. I recently made a little video on this topic, not really explaining much of it, and got quite a bit of backlash in my comment section, so I just want to come on and share my story. So she said, uh, she just pointed out, hey, she's uh, transitioned, now she's detransitioning, and she just, it went viral, and she got all kinds of uh, flack for it. And some of you guys, you're going to hate me for this, but I need to speak the truth. And I don't care what you say in my comments, I'm not going to turn my comments off. Growing up, I didn't really show any signs of gender dysphoria. I was perfectly happy with my body and being a girl, and of course I was uncomfortable with, like, puberty and stuff, but that was for other reasons. Every girl is uncomfortable with their changing body. And when I was 13, I started to struggle a lot with depression, anxiety, that sort of stuff. Now, she's going to start telling her story. And while you think about this, earlier this week on Monday's show, we talked about Assembly, uh, Assembly Bill 665, and what that does is it changes uh, California law so that um, children who are at the age of 12 do not have to tell their parents about going in and getting um, medication for transitioning, that the doctors, the pediatricians or the counselors who are with your kids don't have to explain that to parents. It actually says they have to get permission uh, from the kid before they tell you about this and how easy this is. She's going to tell you how easy this is to start this process. And this is one of the reasons that when you see parents protesting, we're talking about parents, parents are being you know, described across the country as right wing or Republican or MAGA or whatever they want to say. But the people who are out here protesting in Glendale, a lot of them are not even Republicans. They're very, they're on the left. They're Democrats. They're people of um, all races and backgrounds. They are parents who are saying, leave my kids alone. That's literally what they're saying. And this person, Ash, her story is the reason why. I spent a lot of time on the internet, specifically TikTok, way more than I should have rather than going out in the real world, especially with COVID and everything else that was going on. And that's one of the things that has driven us a little crazy. During the COVID, everybody stayed home. And for a lot of people, they didn't use their time wisely. All right. We all have done some stuff like that. I mean, I was I was pretty busy during COVID as the pastor of a church and a whole lot of stuff going on with that. But I did have a lot of downtime. And unfortunately, I spent some of it uh, eating uh, Eggo waffles and uh, I put on the COVID-19, if you know what I mean. But there were other things that people did. And in her case, she got into this TikTok app, which became very popular and very influential especially in young people's lives. Now at the time there were a million, million videos of all these trans people coming out. And because I was so unhappy with myself and who I was, I thought that that might be what was wrong with me. And I convinced myself that that's what was wrong with me and that's what would fix me. And I went really, really, really far to pass as a male to the point where nobody that I knew knew that I was born a female. Now she was influenced by TikTok. She was influenced by social media. And what, the, and what that site is, is it's a video site. So if you've never used it before, there's a whole lot of short videos. Many of them are entertaining. They're, some of them are hilarious. But also, they are people sharing their thoughts about things, and they're very influential. You hear, you hear about uh, social media influencers and what influence, influencers are eventually. And this is the drive that a lot of young people have towards social media is you can get paid, actually, um, because you develop a very large following on TikTok or Instagram or some of these, you'll actually get paid by advertisers to promote their product. And so some people are being paid a lot of money for their TikTok videos. 
And it's an, it's an incredible thing because you might be seen, you know, wearing a certain outfit or carrying a purse or using a certain product. And because you have 2 million followers, you're getting paid for every view you get because you're promoting that product. And sometimes you're not even promoting it, you're just wearing it, but it influences the people who are watching to purchase that product. In fact, uh, President Biden, the White House, has used influencers to try to influence people famously before the election last year. And with a lot of commentary on different things and, you know, how the economy is going and that. And it was, politically speaking, a smart thing to do. Because when you realize that 25 or 30 percent of young people up to 30 years old uh, are being influenced by TikTok, I guess you should be on there influencing. Uh, by the way, there's, there are ministries on there. There are some pastors and other people who are doing some great things on there. This is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation. The, when I say that with ministries, too, it's another thing just to be aware of. If you're on social media and you're following different you know, people that you like, there's people who I've met on there who I think are doing a great job at explaining the gospel and great ministers, but there's some who are not doing a good job. Now, some are deliberately not doing a good job because they just have generally bad theology, but there are some who think they're doing a good job who are doing their best, right? But they've never had any training. They've never really studied. And once again, you have the problem of accountability. You know, where is the accountability for the TikTok pastor? Where is the accountability for the TikTok news person, the TikTok educator, the TikTok whoever it is who is giving opinions or stating things as fact that may or may not be fact where so many people are listening? So this person is influenced by TikTok influencers to become trans. And this is the part that I want you to hear her say, this next clip here. This is the reason why people and parents need to be concerned about what's happening even in our schools. When I first transitioned, I really didn't have any issues with my body, but as I went on, I realized that I needed to fit into this box if I wanted to be a male. And because of how my body did not fit into that box, I became increasingly more uncomfortable with it. But it wasn't gender dysphoria. It was me trying to fit myself into a box that I simply didn't fit into. In a way, I sort of brainwashed myself into thinking that I had gender dysphoria. And naturally, this brought me into a really bad place mentally where I started struggling with drugs, self-harm, suicidal ideation, all that stuff. And I assumed this was because I wasn't male enough, but it was really because I wasn't a male at all. Now, I want you to imagine that this is your child or your grandchild who's getting all this from social media. Now, I don't know what her situation is with parents or grandparents, you know, but what it sounds to me like is that she's in this and she's very much alone, that she is very isolated one way or another. Either mom and dad aren't paying attention or they're not there or they think they're paying attention, but they haven't realized, you know, at this point, especially during COVID, which was a mess for everybody, what uh, she's going through. Imagine now that she can go to her school counselor at 12 years old. She's talking about being 12 and 13 years old and share all that's going on with her and her transition. And the school counselor is not allowed and maybe not even in favor of sharing any of it with her parents or her guardians. And now listen to what she says her experience was. I got on testosterone when I was 15 years old. And the thing that I think is absolutely wild is that I went to one appointment before I was given my prescription. One. One appointment. She went to one appointment and said, uh, hey, I want some testosterone. One appointment. You might be thinking, oh, well, they probably asked you a ton of questions. Nope. They barely asked me anything. I basically walked in there and was like, I'm trans. And they were like, okay. 
they didn't question me. They didn't sit down with me and question and talk like, is this really what's right for you? They were just like, okay, this is the next step in your transition. We'll give it to you. Now imagine this, that that's your child who now is taking a drug that will alter her body chemistry. That is something that creates in a very quick amount of time, irreversible change, irreversible. I hear people say, oh, it's, it's totally reversible. No, look into that. The puberty blockers, for example, that we keep hearing are reversible, are not reversible. The, you, if you stop taking them, your puberty, your body will start puberty again most of the time. That's what they say. But the bone degeneration, the other physical things, your voice, things like that, they are not, those changes are not reversible. And you become a lifelong medical patient. This is a person who's sharing her story, who, and this story, I'm playing it because it gets censored by so many groups that you're not allowed to hear that so many people are detransitioning who in her case she's not even she she didn't even realize why she was saying she was trans and suddenly she's on medication for it it didn't solve her problem many people are going a lot further it's money my friends it's money that happens when you can have a you know for hospitals or for doctors or people i'm not saying that they're all bad and i'm not saying that there aren't honorable people in our medical profession sure there are but there are also people who just want to make money at the expense of your kids. See, this is the reason that there's protests. This is the reason that parents across the political spectrum now are waking up to what's happening to your kids. And what's happening in California is we're moving very quickly down the line of making sure that parents don't have the authority to hear this stuff. The schools have the legal right to hide it from their kids. There's a whole lot more to that. But don't let this go. This is something that when we vote coming up here next year, it, it needs to matter because it's too late if, if we don't get it this time. That's what I think. All right, I got to take a break. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues of the Pastor Scott Show. Be right back. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott's show, pet peeve of mine. Maybe it's of yours. Maybe I'm just weird on this. But now whenever I go to a place and I buy something, whether it's food, usually it's a food item, you know, snack food or coffee or something like that, but it can be just about any place. Whenever I go someplace and I buy something and they have one of those new, it's not really even a cash register. What it is, it's an iPad display. And it's like, usually it's white, it's plastic. And I see that it can spin around and face me. I know immediately that I'm going to be asked to leave a tip for something that I've never in my life thought I would leave a tip for ever until now. Do you have that experience? It's a pet peeve with me. Now, listen from where I'm coming from. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. I think, you know, when I go out to restaurants, I want a tip. This is my personal rule. Just so you know, I'm not a cheapskate with this. My personal rule is I'm going to tip 20% even if the service is bad. It would have to be super bad for me to go down to 15 because I know that that person's trying to pay their rent and here in California, they're probably not making that much. And that's what I do. And it's sort of, and it, usually that money goes to, maybe it's also going to the, the, the cook and it's going to the bus boy and it gets divided up. And whatever the problem is, 
it's probably not even the server's fault. It could be something going on in the kitchen, right? And just like I don't I, – I feel bad. I'm the guy who if I'm with you and you pay for lunch and you leave a lousy tip and I notice, I'll excuse myself to go use the restroom and what I do is I leave more tip. I do that. I've done that many times. I'll put more tip. Or worse, somebody I'm not with somebody who uh, is a Christian and they don't leave a tip at all, but they leave some tract. You know, I was with a guy one time and he left. He actually told the server, he said, I'm not going to leave you a a tip this time in in money, but instead I'm going to leave you something more valuable. And he left a copy of his book that she's never going to read. And she was so gracious to him. She was like, oh, well, thank you. That's really cool. Thank you so much. And I walked him out, and he paid for lunch. And I walked right back in there and handed her 20 bucks. And I said, I'm really sorry about my friend. You know, if you want to give the book, give the book and the $20, right? Because she's, what's she going to do? She's going to read the book and go, so I can read this book and become a Christian cheap person just like you. See, you don't want to, that's the message that's there. So I'm telling you that because I want you to know that I'm all for tipping your servers, okay? But for some reason, it irritates me when suddenly I'm leaving a a tip for something that 10 minutes ago I didn't have to leave a tip for, and I never thought about it. And for, it's just in, for something where I helped myself with it, right? It's not that I sat down at a table and I got, somebody served me with something. I picked up something, put it in my cart, stood in line, and uh, you took five seconds to grab it, which is your job, and then I'm supposed to pay you a tip. That, it's funny that that irritates me. Now, I'm telling you this, because in the LA Times today is an article uh, about a restaurant being sued for something that I think is happening all the time. They're being sued by their servers. Have you been to a restaurant and you look at the bill, you get the bill at the end, and it has a service charge on it? So it tells you what you ordered and how much it costs. And you go through and you figure out, okay, it costs this. And then it's got the uh, tax you know, on it, uh, if there is. And then suddenly, and I'm noticing this more and more often, there's a service charge. Now, sometimes I've seen it where it is explained as something else. There's a pizza place where I live that delivers, and on their receipt, there's two service charges. One is a delivery fee, and it's like five bucks. And I'm going, well, I didn't used to have to. It used to be free, right? In fact, it used to be free in 30 minutes until the pizza guys were driving on the sidewalk and, you know, killing people on the way. Then they got rid of that. So there's a delivery fee, but then there's also a, they call it a mandatory health care fee. And it says right in the bottom of the receipt, we're charging this fee because we as a company can't stay open because of our, our new expenses that are mandated by the government. And what they're trying to communicate to you is we could just raise the price of the pizza and you wouldn't know it's the cost of doing business. But we want you to know the reason the pizza would have been more expensive is because of this. So I've seen that in a lot of places. But the lawsuit that's happening is because of this particular restaurant, and I think this happens at a lot of places. Somebody else told me that they've seen a sign on the door at a restaurant they go to that says, because of governmental, you know, and minimum wage, minimum wage, that's another one. It went up to 15. I started to see that broken down. They call it the minimum wage fee. And I've seen it on doors of restaurants. We'll charge an 18% service charge. So the lawsuit is this. When you see on your bill an 18% service charge, what's happening is that's not a tip. Did you know that? It's not the tip, the service charge. What's happening, though, is that customers see that and they think, well, they've already added the tip. And they're not leaving tips. And so what's happening is the waiters are upset 
because their income relies so much on tips, but because of this 18% service charges on the bill at this restaurant and many other places, uh, they're not getting tips. And I, I understand that because when I see it, that's my first thought. Service charge must be a tip. And if you ever go someplace and you have like a large group of people, often you would see, you know, for groups more than eight, there will be an 18% service charge added, you know, and they were doing that on purpose. And I think in those cases, it is a tip because they don't want their servers to have to serve your big rowdy group and then not get a tip. Are you hearing me? People who go to church, who go to church and then go to lunch on Sunday, you know, make sure you leave a tip. You ever go to with like a whole bunch of people and then there's somebody who has the unfortunate role of, of collecting all the money who usually gets, you know, stiffed because you didn't leave enough, nobody left enough for a tip and uh, they end up paying twice as much as they normally would because nobody would leave a tip. It's for that. So the lawsuit is because it's confusing though. The service charge, I think it is confusing. I would look at I would look at that and go, well, that's a tip. And I might not leave a tip. Now, usually I ask, when I order a pizza or something online, I'll pay the tip online because then for me, it's just one charge and I'm not scrounging around trying to five, find five or $10 to tip the driver and stuff. But I always ask, did you get the tip? Like, did that tip, I do want to know, did that tip go to you? Or is it just going to the company because I paid it online? you have any thoughts about this? 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. What should we tip for and what should we not tip for? You know, I go to a coffee place and I go to many coffee places. And it used to be there's a little tip jar out there, which I don't know, for me, I just, I'm not. And like I said a minute ago, I'm not cheap on the tip. I like to tip. But that's just not something that existed. And now this place I go, I go there often because I have a half-off discount. And I only get just straight coffee. I don't get the foo-foo drinks and all the other stuff. Uh, My wife gets those. I don't. I just get coffee. Once in a while, you know, I'll get a mocha or something. And then I always say to myself, why didn't I just get the coffee? Well, I even get the coffee at half price. But then I get this window right in my face. You know, leave a tip, 18%. 20%, 25%, and I'm going, it's $1.82. And uh, do you leave a tip there or not? Do you get confused by these extra charges? 888-528-2557. So if you read the Times today, there is a group of people who are suing because of this. And the employer, it is confusing because the employer says that they're charging that fee, a service fee, so that they can increase the wages of everybody who works there. And I get that, especially in Southern California, where no one can afford to live here. Um, so here's the question. Should the service fee on the restaurant bill be considered a tip for the service that you get? Or should they just include that in the price of the food because it's the price of doing business? So the people who are suing the restaurant are saying that you can't put that on the receipt. You have to just include it in the price of the food. See, and there's a whole lot of discussion here is that, well, is the restaurant really, you know, being generous to their staff by paying them more? Or is this just a clever way to charge more to the consumer without putting it in the menu? Right. Because I don't know if you even go out to eat anymore, but it is so expensive. Every time I go out to eat, I'm shocked at how much it how much it is. It's stunning. And to add another 18%, I probably wouldn't even go there if it was in the menu, but they sneak it in with the service charge. And I'm happy with people getting paid more. I think they should get paid more. 
Um, but I think it's the cost of doing business. What do you think? 888-528-2557. Ted in Los Angeles, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Yes, Ted, City of the Angels. How you doing, Pastor Scott? I'm good, Ted. Are you a uh, are you a good tipper or are you a cheapskate when it comes to tipping? I always bring cash. All right. I don't want to wear a mustache. Well, because I don't want to wear a mustache. You know, if I pay cash, I'm not going to be in debt. I know it's coming out of my wallet. I don't. I don't need a disguise. So, do you pay for your whole so, meal in cash, or do you use a card for the meal and then cash for the tip? The only time I use a card is if I didn't go and get cash at the rate teller, but I'm a, I'm a cash guy. Okay, so you always cash. pay cash. So I pay cash. How does that I influence always, your tipping? I always make sure it goes in their hand. I don't leave anything on the table because I'm from L.A. Things get stolen, and I make <laughs> sure they get their cash. And also my uncle, you know, who used to sell missiles all over the world, he said you never tip. Oh, you only tip on the price before tax. Right. That's you know, um, um, it's just easier in your head to do the math at the final amount. Right. Well, he said you, if you're paying if you're paying on the final amount, he says then you're paying double tax. So he he that's what he I never do that, but that's what he told me. Yeah. And a very intelligent man. And uh, but I always make sure they get their twenty percent, and I make sure it's in their hand. I I, I don't play because money is is very valuable to now, people. Now, Ted, uh, and I'm going to go to a break here in a second. But when you go to a place and they and they have a little tip jar, then and you're paying cash. Do you drop uh, your cash in the tip jar? Oh yeah, I, oh yeah. All I right. Do it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Ted. Thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Um, what we're talking about is a, there's a lawsuit in a Los Angeles restaurant from the servers who are frustrated because the restaurant charges an 18% service fee on all of their meals and consumers, people who are customers, think that's the tip and they don't leave a tip. And so what's happening is the servers are getting paid less because people aren't leaving the tip and the restaurant is saying, no, there's a barcode down there, one of those QR codes, you can scan it and you can go read you know, why we're charging it, but it's still a little bit nebulous. Why don't you just put that in the amount of the food and that's going to be decided in in court. It's going to be an interesting thing. I got I see all of your calls on there, uh, Donna and Steve and a bunch of others. I'll get to your calls as the Pastor Scott Show Wednesday edition returns. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about tipping, when to tip, and if you get confused by those service charges and things that are also on your bill today, and do you tip in the tip jars? Do you tip for things you didn't used to tip on? 888-528-2557. Steve in Los Angeles, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, Pastor Scott, how you doing? I'm good, Steve. How are you? I'm pretty good today. All right, so what's your thought about tipping? Yeah, just a couple quick little things. I, When I was first with my wife, uh, she used to be a server, and I remember her giving me a cold stare at our first date when I <laughs> left a really bad tip. And uh, ever since then, over 30 years, I've been a pretty good tipper since. So. Uh, good for you. Good for your <laughs> wife to uh, let you know. Yeah, you know, it's a good thing we have them. Now, what does she think about the new tipping, though? Like, you you, you tip on everything now. Does she have a thought about that? You know, it's it's uh, kind of goes along the same vein as something else I was going to say. Um, you know, we 
used to tip for things, and now we're tipping for more things. Uh, I'd like, we'd like to have the servers get what they need. Uh, you know, like you said, there's relying on those extra little bits of money. They actually get less pay to do their job because yeah. they know that they're going to get tips. So it's real important, like you said. Yeah, that's why there's the lawsuit going on in uh, Los Angeles, that uh, because of the the fee that's on the bill that says service charge, it's not a tip, but customers think it's a tip, and they stop tipping. And, uh, you know, that's going to be really interesting. All right, Steve, thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. David and Camarillo, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, Pastor Scott, love your show. Thank you, David. Well, I have some thoughts on tipping. I think it's really important to tip anyway, especially if they see you praying before a meal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're watching because they're watching you. Yes, they are. And, uh, you know, but I'm actually glad that some of these places are kind of making it public as to why the price, why the prices have gone up. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, raising the minimum wage and, and the price of gas is boosting everything up. Right. I mean, it's just... Um, you know, and businesses, they're, they're getting, they have to raise their prices. And so they're bringing it back to us and they're explaining why. And I'm actually glad that they are. Yeah, I think it's better. Like instead of the service charge, it's sort of nebulous. You don't know what that is. Uh, I think it is better to say we're charging you this because you need to know that, you know, gas prices are higher, food prices are higher. Um, and the government mandates on us for different things are higher, including minimum wage. That's why. At least people know why the pizza got so expensive. Right. Yeah. All right. And, David, uh, you're right about the uh, prayers thing. Thanks for calling about that. I always tell told people at my church, hey, if you go out to eat after church, you tip because they're listening to your conversation, and they know what church you go to. And if you're not a decent tipper, uh, then you've you you have— made a statement about Christians at our church in this neighborhood. Make sure you tip. I think it matters. 888-528-2557. Nancy in Los Angeles, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Nancy. You ready? Hi. Hi, Nancy. Hi. Can you hear me? Okay. It's Nancy. Yeah, it says your daughter's a barista at Starbucks. So what does she think about this? Well, before, they used to just have the jar, and right. she barely makes any tips, sometimes like less than $20 in two weeks. So she's so happy. They're all happy about the new thing where it comes out on the machine, uh, on the cash register, even though your coffee is only 5 bucks, and if you tip 50 cents, that adds up. To, for them, it adds, up, it adds up. Yeah, so it's and working better. It. it works better that it's digital. So do, do people tip? I'm trying to think at Starbucks. Yeah. As, whenever I go in there, or St. Arbucks, as I like to call it, there yeah. is, you know, I use the app, and then I pay on the app, and then it says, would you like to leave a tip? And I would. Yeah. I guess I would there do it in the app. For zero tip. There is an option for zero tip, so it's not really imposed. Yeah, you don't have to. These baristas work like human machines. Yeah, and... It's really hard work. The baristas, thanks for calling, Nancy. Appreciate it. The baristas uh, at coffee shops, I think Starbucks in particular, actually sued a few years ago. And the labor law in California is that the tips have to be divided amongst everybody who's working there except the management. The management doesn't get the tip. So if you're the manager, even if you're doing the drinks at the drink bar, you don't get to participate in the tips. Everything has to be divided up to everybody who has 
um, been uh, working there. Uh, that's the current law with that. 888-528-2557. Donna in Orange, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Yes, hello, Pastor Scott. How are you doing? I'm good, Donna. What do you think good, about the good. tipping situation? Well, you know, I haven't come across uh, those extra charges yet at the restaurants that I patronize. Yeah. But uh, I used to go to this one shop uh, a good distance from me because he didn't enforce the mask during the COVID thing. And you could sit there and have a cup of coffee and talk and relax and, and you'd be you'd be good. So you went so to I one of those uh, during the COVID, you went to one of those places who uh, they broke all the rules. Exactly, exactly. And I, you know, I loved it there. And, uh, and he sold other things like coffee mugs and tea sets and tea and all that. And uh, he did very well because people like like the place. And, um, you know, if I bought a coffee mug or a tea set, he'd, he'd swing that thing around and he'd, he'd expect a tip. Yeah. And he'd stand there looking at you like, well, you know, and, and, and I, you know, generally I'm a good tipper. You know, especially if I get if I have good service, yeah, I like to tip well, and uh, but it was such a turnoff because he felt he felt entitled. Yeah, I think it's and, weird to have to tip for something that you never tipped for before, where it was never customary. Exactly, and now exactly. all of a sudden it is because of the the technology, uh, and at the yeah. same time that person's probably not getting paid enough. <laughs> you know, it's it's rough. Uh, that well, situation out he, there. I, I sit there for an hour or so, and, and he'd get plenty of customers. And so um, I, I, I felt it was such a turnoff. Yeah. I, I don't go there anymore. So it was a, it worked for you when it was a COVID speakeasy, and you could go in there and <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah. Lots of places. Yeah. All right, Donna, thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show. Somebody needs to write stories. We cannot forget the speakeasy thing that was going on during the COVID. I went into a restaurant one time with somebody from church, and we went in this place, and I thought nobody was there. It was shortly after the restaurants were open, right after they let you have people inside, but you still had to wear a mask, right? That was the rule. Everybody, servers and everything. This restaurant was uh, dark, and all the windows were darkened, and I thought there's almost nobody in the parking lot. I thought nobody's here. I'd never been in this place. We opened the door, and it's packed full of people. I couldn't believe it. And there was this guy who was like a bouncer. You know, he looked like he was somebody who worked for the Godfather sitting at the front door who made sure that door got shut and nobody in there was wearing a mask, not the servers, not the customers, nobody. And I realized, oh, they're running this place. The reason it's packed is because nobody has to wear a mask in there. Uh, that was going on everywhere. Uh, if you never never saw that, there was a lot of places who got away with it somehow. 888-528-2557. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I do have to say I enjoyed my visit. 888-528-2557. Carlos in Los Angeles, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi. Hey, Carlos. I figured it's me? Yeah, go ahead. Can you hear me? I yeah, can. I was wondering, you know, especially the buffet restaurant, we should not dip in it. Right, where well, you serve yourself. Dip. You you scoop up your own plate, and then you pay at the register and at the end? No, they require a tip. You pay for Now you pay first. Then you put the tip. I said, no, I like to put the tip on the table. Ah. Because, you know, you already get that thing. They don't serve you so much. Now, if you go to a uh, Korean barbecue, you cook. What's next? You're going to wash our own dishes? <laughs> we do all the service. 
and they they get the tip. Yeah, I think I think it's an interesting racket uh, in some ways, but I think that I think part of it is, you know, people are are paid so poorly in a lot of industries, particularly in L.A. They might even be paid well, but you can't afford to live here anyway. Right, that's that's no part of it. But I I get it when when you're doing all the work and now you got a tip. That that don't get me to... wrong. I put the tip. Oh yeah. Well, the and... highest tip is fifty dollars. You know, on table. Well, you left somebody because a fifty dollar tip. What kind of buffet are you going to? That sounds like it's pretty good food. No, if they spill something to me, I double my tip because I figure that the server is something going wrong. I mean, you know, car mm. payment, etc. So I double. You know what? They're not paying attention. Yeah, you know, Carlos. Uh, thanks for calling. I, I I think that part of what we have to do for people is try to look into what kind of day they're having. Yeah, I tip according to the server because if they are you know down, either hey, raise your tip so that they go go up. Yeah, something like that. A lot of people do that. I've done that. I've done that before. Carlos, thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show. Okay. All right. You know, I think. Uh, I think making sure that we humanize the people who are working wherever. I think it used to be, you know, you would really weigh that tip based upon, you know, what kind of service and you're sort of uh, really uh, judging, you know, the person who's bringing your food and all this. And it matters, you know, it matters for the business. I'm probably not going back if the server is rude or if it's a terrible experience or the food's bad or I get sick, right? There's a lot of pressure. Um, I think it was my great-grandmother who, if she didn't like the service, she would leave a penny underneath all the plates that were left on the table. And I, <laughs> I, just, I just don't think that's the way. Anyway, it's, a, it's an interesting thing that's happening, but I think we'll leave it with Carlos's comment. Always consider that person and maybe what they're going through that is beyond whatever is happening in their job and just think about it that way in the tough economy that we're in. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Pastor Scott show will be back tomorrow from three to five. You can get the podcast. If you missed an hour of our show, just go to KKLA.com or look for the Pastor Scott show wherever you get your podcast. God bless. See you tomorrow from three to five. God bless. Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel. Straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525.